should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. And welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we just do what old men in robes tell us to do. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict, the Mr. Pink of this podcast. Benedict, <laughs> what's your favorite individually wrapped candy? Oh, uh, I mean, can't all candy technically be individually wrapped? I love to derail I your mean, like, the, the light-hearted tr- questions <laughs> with technicalities. <laughs> that typically comes individually wrapped. Uh, I think probably to to do American candy, I think probably a take five. But no one, no one eats takes fives. I do. What, I what's think they're delicious. Wrong with you? <laughs> I love take fives. What's wrong with take fives? I I don't. I just I forgot it was a candy bar until yeah. you mentioned it. It's my secret. <laughs> It's not often I am stunned into near silence by your choices. Do you you know what it is? It's because coming from not America... I I, I could not tell you. I'm just going to let you know. Sitting here right now, I could not tell you what a Take 5 has in it. Okay, so it's a pretzel Uh covered in peanut butter. Uh Like a peanut butter filling, like a Reese's Cup type filling. It's basically a Reese's Cup with with a pretzel inside it. And I will tell you right now that coming from not America, that shit is like wizard shit. You're such like, an old man. You're n- such maybe. An old man. No, but like if you come from like the UK where it's like, hey, here's a, like a dish rag to suck on for your candy. <laughs> and then someone's like, we have candy with a pretzel and peanut butter and chocolate. Okay. That shit is I've magical. Had some English candy. And you're right. It's not very good. <laughs> no. Eng- okay. Straight chocolate is actually better in the UK. What? Like, what? It's the sick, please. We no, have no, the no, 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 no. Ame- okay, let let me tell you. American candy tastes like vomit, what? and I don't, I don't, I don't mean it tastes bad. I mean it tastes very specifically like vomit I because. Don't know and why I, I looked that. this up. I looked this up. It contains one of the compounds, and it's only an American candy, not British candy, that makes vomit taste the way that it does. Why? And to me, it tastes like... And this is the same, actually. Now I'm... Here we go. I'm on the thing now. Let's go. Also... Show canceled. We're just going to talk about candy now. Root root beer, to me, uh-huh. t- tastes like the dentist. What? Because in the UK, instead of mint mouthwash, they give you a sarsaparilla flavored mouthwash after you're done at the dentist for some reason that I will never know. They're like, hey, you brush your teeth with mint. Why not try this root beer flavor <laughs> after the dentist? Yeah, that's like when I was, you know, when I was a kid, you go to the dentist and they do like that fluoride tray thing. Yeah. That they stick in your mouth and mm-hmm. they always had flavors. The flavors were like bubble gum or banana or <laughs> Why? strawberry. I don't know. <laughs> But like, and, and they always had cherry. Cherries, and you know, cherry is the medicine flavor. And, and yeah, it it's is. Just garbage. It is. It is. It's just I can't. That's why I don't like cherry flavored things. Anyway, so I can't drink root beer because of that reason. Well, so. that's unfortunate. I love me whatever. Root what's beer. your What's your favorite individually wrapped um, candy? Bearing in mind that whatever you will say, I will scoff at. Yeah, just out of spite. 
I'm going to be the old man here because when I was thinking of individually candy, individually wrapped candy, I was thinking well, of those originals. Hey, I enjoy me a I genuinely used to love Werther's Originals. My granddad always had them. Because all of our grandparents gave yeah, them to exactly. us, and it's not bad. It's a decent <laughs> exactly. candy. Yeah, everyone it's likes a butter sugar. It's buttery sugar. Why would I not like that? Uh, but for me, I'm going to go with, you know, uh, uh, the, the restaurant candy. You know, there's a candy bowl at the restaurant as you're leaving. Um, a lot sure. of times, a lot of places, maybe not in New York City where you are, uh, but they have these little... <laughs> you don't want anything sat out in the open for too long in New York, <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. They have these little strawberry candies with like a, a filling inside of them, like a, okay. a like a chewy filling inside of them. Oh, um, no, I do know what you mean. Yeah, know you know you exactly okay. what I mean. They have like a little, little strawberry on the package. It's good. I like okay. it. It's good. There's a pineapple one that's good, too. Okay. Anyways, Benedict, uh, you probably know what it is that we do here on the program, but some of the folks, some of them out there, uh, they might not know. You know, people who who uh, uh, enjoy Take 5 bars might not know <laughs> exactly what it is that we do here. To them, I would say, this is the show where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chat from a work in conservative nonfiction and in between taking a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yeah, and this is more to just to do with what I've been reading about recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is specifically that nothing fills my daytime nightmares as much as the mere idea of cave diving. Like, what the what? fuck are you people doing? Do you mean no. spelunking or do you Sp- mean diving in underwater caves? Either or both. <laughs> Whatever. I don't give a shit. Don't do it. Like, what are you What are you gaining from squeezing your body through like a 10 oh, inch by 10 yeah, inch no. hole? I'm not Absolutely a fan of that. Not. I'm not Absolutely a fan. Not. You see those videos on TikTok and stuff oh, sometimes no. of people squeezing in holes. And I'm like, no. No, you're not getting out of there. Or like people who are like, oh, there's like a river and people go in a hole in the river and then they come out at like a completely different part of the river. What yep. the fuck? That's a big no, no for me. It's a, it's a no huge no. Anyway, I've been reading. So I also have no self-control, as you can probably tell by yep. the fact that I continue to do this podcast. Maybe take five uh, <laughs> Yeah. And that. Uh, But so I know that this scares me, absolutely terrifies the shit out of me. And yet, do I read about it like once every three weeks? Absolutely, I do. (laughs) Uh, Benedict was not able to go see that movie about the guy who cut his arm off. Uh, Oh, no, that's okay. Because that's that's just a dude. No, that's just a dude who like is an idiot. But... I don't know. I didn't see that movie, but that one doesn't freak me out as much as being underground and just being like, I'm going to squeeze through this tiny hole. I believe my body can fit through there. Oh, James Franco, you are a treasure. Um, no, no, very problematic person. Uh, what about uh, you? What's your hot take? Hey, he's friends with Seth Rogen. How can he? Yeah, do he's also, I think, a sex pest. So yeah, yeah probably. Uh, for me, Benedict, uh, I just I noticed a weird thing over this last weekend. Um, okay. Everywhere I've lived in the past, people do their grocery shopping on Fridays because that's when people get paid, right? And, and most people in the world are living paycheck to paycheck. And so they they go on Friday when they get their money and get the things that they need. But now that I live in the hell world of the suburbs, the grocery store is empty on Fridays. Interesting. There's nobody there. Everyone does their shopping on Sundays. 
Yeah, I feel like I grew up with the Sunday shop, but that's just because. Well, I am. you and I who, both grew who, up in who up, I am. <laughs> we grew up in upper middle class suburbs. Yeah, yeah, that'll yeah. do it. But I hadn't experienced that for a long time, and it was just this weird little uh, component of the mm. the class system in the United States that I noticed as I was shuffling through the grocery store on Sunday this week through the seventh go. frozen pizza aisle in a row. God. Just yep. That's my life now. That's my life now. <laughs> All the best. Anyways, on to housekeeping. Benedict, uh, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes and the other places with the stars and the thumbs and all that stuff. Follow us. I noticed we got enough stars on Spotify to get a rating on Spotify. Oh, what do we have? One star? <laughs> 4.2 is the average at the moment. Who the so... fuck is doing less than five? Oh, you You're know, like nemesis. two people have done one star. You're my nemesis. Yeah, uh, two people yeah. have just seen the like Ludwig von Mises one. And yeah, like, these people don't know about <laughs> economics. But please, I brought to the audience the single greatest rap battle of all time in that Ludwig yeah. von Mises episode. That's true. They didn't stay to listen to that. If they had, they would have. Yeah, they would have five, five stars. Five stars yeah. all the way. Uh, follow us on the social medias at NYGPC Pod and at NYGPC Ben on Twitter. Uh, no updates this week, but we do have Benedict One inductee into the Spooky World New World Ooh, Order. That who was it? It is a repeat inductee, mm. uh, and that is Sarah Ann Tifa, who is the one who does all the Alex Jones photoshops over. Oh on, yeah, that's uh, fun. On I Twitter and places, and I just realized slash remembered that I actually have another inductee. So two inductees. <laughs> I two, and I completely forgot about it. So give me one moment here to remember who it was as I frantically look through uh, uh, our, our uh, back stuff and try and find out. Hold on. I'm stalling for time here. Come on, this baby. This feels like it's just going to need to be added. sound out. effect for the one I just yeah. did. Oh, world spooky world <laughs> Thank you so very much. But do you also, want me to just try and do an impression of Glenn Beck while you're looking for this? If I, I don't know why I'm struggling so hard here. Shark Belly, Shark oh, Belly, okay. uh, who is the one who uh, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people helped out um, in finding the Larry Nichols witches clip. Um, mm. But Shark Belly is the one who actually found it, uh, gave mm. me the link that I'm using for today. Uh, so Shark Belly, you are now part of our. New World Spooky World Order. And you know what? I'll also throw it out to uh, uh, basically everyone who helped us to... It's a bunch of people sent in links to where it might be uh, and different stuff, and we're looking for it. So all of you, all of you who participated, you are now all part of our... New World Spooky World Order. And thank you all oh so very much. I'm going to start creating my own list of people that I'm mad at for <laughs> providing you with the fodder to make me listen to more Alex Jones. Is so you're all on it. fucker list? Yeah, you're all on <laughs> Fuck you, you fucking fucker. You fucking goddamn <laughs> fucker. <laughs> uh, of course, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order... <laughs> You can tweet or post about the show. I forget it exists every time. (laughs) You can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can. Drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity. Send me some sort of proof. Become a patron or just get my attention with something good. Benedict, with all of that out of the way, it is time to finally get into today's episode. 
Mm. And I told you ahead of time what we're going to be doing today, so it shouldn't For be For once, much, thank fuck. Shouldn't be my usually give you a vague idea. No, uh, you're normally like, oh, guess. And then I guess, <laughs> and you're like, no, nope, not that, sorry. Sometimes surprising you with it is a component of the show for the day. But no, uh, since I've mentioned this for like the last four weeks or something, I didn't think it would you be You also said you were going to do voter fraud conspiracies, and you just didn't do that I one. I did, so. and I got bogged down in that one because it's like, what? Where? where's the starting point? They've just been doing it forever. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna, I'm gonna do it at some <laughs> to point. To be fair, there were voting irregularities until like the <laughs> 1970s where- That is like, true. That is yeah. true. But really, I was just like, it's a lot of these episodes I will start drafting. I have a bunch of partially drafted episodes for the Lunatic Fringe series. And I'm just like, man, this isn't hitting me the way I want it to hit. You know what I mean? Right. So I got to yeah. sit it down for a while, come back to it later. Let uh, me ruminate here. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. But better today, we're going to be talking about the Clintons. Mm, and My I favorite would, people. Yeah, I, I would expect that most likely everyone listening knows about the two primary figures of our show today. Uh, former President... Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> that was good comedic timing. That was <laughs> good comedic you. timing. Thank you. Uh, former President Billiam Clinton and Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton. And former Senator of New York. And former Senator of New York. I think the practice is to go by the highest office they ever held. No, I think doing... we should go by the lowest office anyone ever held. <laughs> just be like mayor <laughs> to former presidents. Um, but for those who don't, uh, right? School board, school board committee member number three. <laughs> Should be your first title. Should be the the one that is always used to address you. Uh, outside of President Obama, Bill and Hillary are probably the two major public figures in the United States most hated by the far right. Um, and as they do, the far right did what they did throughout the '90s and up to today, created an entire alternate reality surrounding the Clintons full of corruption and child sex abuse that don't comport with reality. Okay, some of the corruption does. <laughs> well, you know, to be clear, today's episode is not about defending the Clintons for actual criticisms or real things that they may have done. Yeah. That's not what we're about here, right? So we're not going to talk about Whitewater, Bill Clinton's affairs, alleged sexual assault, association with Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Hillary's email server, which, you know, it was real, even though most of the claims made about it weren't. And we also are, aren't anything like as serious as the Bill stuff, generally. Right. Like, We're yeah. here to talk about the absolutely the crazy made up, shit. Okay. Batshit insane conspiracies about <laughs> conspiracies about them that were put together by the right wing over the last 30 years. And of course, there's so many of them, there's no way we could possibly cover them all. And we might not cover your favorite Clinton conspiracy today. So uh like they say on YouTube, sound off in the comments uh, with your favorite. Like and subscribe. Smash that like button. Um, in some ways, though, uh, the Clinton conspiracies are the first major topic of conspiracy emerging after the end of the massive communist conspiracy, right? The time of the mm. collapse of the Cold War and the Soviet Union. When that happened, obviously, the meta-conspiracy that was sort of formulated around the Soviet Union also began to collapse as well. And... That's not by which I mean that Clinton conspiracies are a meta-conspiracy in their own right, but that so much energy was put into Clinton conspiracies by the Cold War dead-enders that there's a distinct momentum they took, and they definitely got big enough to become one of the primary sources of Clinton criticism, pushed by just the biggest names in right-wing media. Right? So, so what, Lamar, you're, what you're saying is like people didn't have the Soviet Union to attack, so they turned inwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's an element of that. There's an element, yeah. right? We, we've talked a ton already about conspiracies on this show. We have mm-hmm. one episode in the catalog that's just about conspiracies and why the right is more susceptible to them than other groups. And I mean, basically just pick an episode. We're going to be talking about a right-wing conspiracy theory in it most likely because the right thrives on conspiracy. Not only because of all the things we talked about in that episode about conspiracies, but also because their worldview is just disconnected from reality. So to effectively oppose truth, your only weapon is lies, or at the very Mm -hmm. least, openness to belief in the untrue. Mm -hmm. And I separate those two things because I want to make clear something that I may not have done well enough in the past. Uh, Your average rank-and-file Republican or right-winger, more likely than not, does not know that the claims they make and the conspiracy theories they promote are false. But the people at the top who push them to the rank-and-file most certainly do. Uh, Every major right-wing figure today peddles in conspiracy, from Tucker Carlson and Charlie Kirk to Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, basically everyone we've ever talked about on this show, even Mm -hmm. the big political figures of the right, Carrie Lake, Ron DeSantis, Trump, obviously. Um, There's a 2022 National Review article I found uh, when I was preparing for today's episode that I'll link in the show notes, which is titled, If Hillary Says Something is a Conspiracy Theory, It's Usually True. Um... (laughs) It's more of a stub than an article. It's like three paragraphs. But I think it sort of shows the lasting effect of these conspiracies, right? It's it's captured the movement. And given that Hillary Clinton was the Democratic candidate against Trump in 2016, I think we all remember how that went, right? Mm -hmm. But our story of Clinton conspiracies begins long before the 2016 election. It begins back in 1992 when William Jefferson Clinton won the United States presidential election against George H.W. Bush to become the president of the United States. And now, Bill and Hillary met in college uh, at Yale Law School in 1971 after Bill cut his Rhodes Scholarship short to come back to the States and attend Yale Law School. Uh, he... I've uh, I've been to the pub where Bill Clinton did not inhale, by the way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? That's, a, yeah, that's yeah. exciting. That's, that's yeah. very exciting. Uh, yeah. Did you inhale at the pub? Uh, no comment. I please. Wow. You held your breath the whole time. It's really mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh bill married i hillary. did probably smoke actually at the pub at the time <laughs> I was, it was during my smoking era so. yeah. uh the two got married in 1975 and bill became the arkansas attorney general in 1976 and two years later in 1978 ran for the governor of arkansas becoming the youngest governor in u.s history at just 32 years old that's too young although i guess Feels it's like only it. arkansas <laughs> oh man you coastal <laughs> elitist asshole I can't yes. believe you would say a thing like that. <laughs> do, you, I, do you know why that? Do you know why it's pronounced that way? Actually, now we're on the subject. I mean, the the level of of disregard you have for our flyover state uh, brethren uh, is really mm-hmm. astounding, really upsetting at times. No, no, but do you know why it's pronounced that way? No. Okay, it's the French fault. The French. It's the fault of the French. Because well, everything is the French's fault. We know uh, that, uh, of course. But ca- it's spelt the same way, Kansas, Arkansas. But you think about how the French would pronounce Kansas. Kansas, mm-hmm. Kansas. So it's Arkansas. That's. It sounds like a joke, but it's not. It's just literally just how the French. You know, say I think it. I've been thrown off because I thought a joke was coming. <laughs> no, no, it's just a fact. <laughs> Thanks a lot, French. Uh, and at this point, Benedict. <laughs> 
<laughs> we get to meet one of the most important characters in the Clinton conspiracy troupe, uh, a man by the name of Larry Nichols. Have you heard of Larry Nichols? I have, but I don't know why. You've heard about him from me. That's where you've heard about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Well, and if if people haven't heard of him, they have definitely heard of his work because a staggering amount of the conspiracy theories about the Clintons stem directly from Larry. So Larry Raymond Nichols was born on July 29th, 1950 in Conway, Arkansas. Uh, right. And after graduating high school, he made a living writing advertising jingles and playing guitar in local bands. So at okay. least the man's got a little musical talent, supposedly. I've never heard him play, but, you know. Could be decent. Um, and in 1988, he was hired by Bill Clinton as the marketing director for the Arkansas Development Authority. Although, if you listen to Larry tell the fake version of his history, uh, he knew Bill from much earlier, beginning in okay. the mid-70s, uh, and claimed to have been part of Bill's inner circle, but there's literally no evidence of that that I can find besides Larry saying it to support all the crazy conspiracy theories he pushes. Uh, and that same year, in 1988, that he was hired to uh, be the marketing director for the Arkansas Development Authority, the Associated Press reported that Larry had made 642 long-distance phone calls on the state's dime on behalf of the Contras in Nicaragua. Great. Both- <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Both to the Contras directly and to U.S. politicians uh, lobbying them to support the Contras. Okay. Uh, Larry's response to the article was to claim that the calls were somehow related to the Arkansas Development Authority's work, but he couldn't exactly explain how conscious, that might be the case. Like, hey, you think there's any spare land you could give us in uh, Nicaragua? Like- yeah, yeah, we need a short-term development loan to build a, a, a smelter in Conway, Arkansas. It's the only town in Arkansas I can name because I just read you it. Say Little Rock. You've made, Little Rock. You've made, you've made money running drugs. How about a loan? Yep, yep. Uh, so, of course, he was fired by Bill Clinton from that role. That um, makes sense. And that is where his vendetta against Bill and Hillary began. Um, wow. There's a that very, sounds very conspiratorial, Kevin. Just because mm-hmm. he was fired by Bill Clinton doesn't mean yeah, he'd hate them yeah. forever. Uh, late, wait till I tell you about his activity following. Sorry. That. Hold on. I, th- I feel like we've just skipped over that. Why was he talking to the Contras? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. I was thing. just like, yeah, thing. makes sense. Why wouldn't he be calling the Contras? But here's um, the thing. Larry Nichols <laughs> is so... My- a, so important to the Clinton conspiracy universe, right? The the extended uh, universe of Clinton conspiracies. Uh, the, the Clinton cinematic universe, if you will. Is he uh, the Seth Rich guy or is that someone else? Uh, there are many people who are the Seth Rich guy, but Larry was certainly on that tip. Okay. Um, he just... By the by, the time we get to around 2016, and certainly once we enter like the, the internet age uh, uh, proper... Uh, Larry has become such a minor figure because the Clintons had, for the most part, been out of the spotlight since He's Bill left office. still trying to get through to the Contras. And, and, and also, he has said so much stuff that is just so provably, ridiculously bullshit that a lot of people didn't take him very seriously anymore, except for all the right-wing radio hosts who would still have him on, right? Like, he was a regular on the Alex Jones show. Like, legit a regular. He was on all the fucking time. Um, and there's a very, very long in-depth article focusing on the Clinton conspiracies and Larry uh, from 1997 in the New York Times Magazine that I'll link in the show notes. Um, I think it's an archive version, so I think mm. everyone can read it, the one that I got. Or if not, I just was able to look at it, so I think everyone else will be able to. So, 
After he was fired, Larry filed a lawsuit against the Clintons, uh, against Bill specifically, as the governor, claiming that he was improperly fired, and he went on the attack against the Clintons, which continued for the rest of his life. He died in 2020. Um, he started throwing out accusa- accusations against the Clintons. Did he win the lawsuit? No, he did not. No, he uh, didn't. <laughs> the vast majority of them were fake, but some were indeed true. Right, basically the ones that he repeated from local sources that were already saying them, but he just had a higher profile at that time because he was such a big uh, uh, enemy of the Clintons. Um, mm-hmm. He did claim that Clinton had been having affairs, which we all know now was true. <laughs> we all knew back then was true. Everyone knew. Which checks out. <laughs> yeah, we sort of know that happened. But of course... That's not impeachable, though. I mean, famously. (laughs) Those weren't the real meat of Larry's accusations. And for the most part, Larry was just a national figure repeating things that were in local Arkansas media and claims being made on the local level for many years. And because he did have a slightly higher profile, some people did go to him to throw out their things about the Clintons. So um, people who had information about some of the women that uh, uh, Clinton had had uh, had had actually had uh, affairs with did uh, you know let Larry know about them uh, and so he was able to push some of that stuff but in 1994 Larry was one of the main figures featured in a conspiracy theory documentary titled The Clinton Chronicles um (laughs) that's so I know you said it in a sinister voice but it's the most library ass name for a fucking conspiracy (laughs) thing what's this well it's the chronicles of Clinton all right well nobody's watching that to be fair he really did step up his game in this one because it's gotta be the Clinton files Mm. I'm sorry you just you can't be hitting me with chronicles and expecting anyone to watch it with any kind of exciting yeah well you know documentaries right-wing videotapes were much less entertaining back then right you Mm. hadn't got alex jones making his his really great shit yet at that point uh but larry was a frequent guest on conservative talk radio making the rounds of all the big shows and he'd done his time by the 94 to hone his craft and one of his big early hits was the claim that Bill Clinton was involved with a massive $100 million a month drug smuggling operation at the Mina Airport in western Arkansas. How did he know? Was it because the Contras told him? (laughs) Might be. (laughs) But Larry claimed that while he was in this relatively minor role at the Arkansas Development Authority, he had been in all all these big meetings. And he was was looking at the accounts, man, and he saw all this money flowing in and out all over the place, and he, he managed to... Put it all together in the less than a year he was in that job before he got fired for calling the Contras. And here's what he said in the Clinton Chronicles. In the month, they zero balanced. They're laundering drug money. That's Larry's voice, by the way. And he never sounded better than that for the rest of his life. (laughs) You'll hear him again in a couple of minutes when I have another clip for you. That voice never got better. He is. Maybe he's Tom Waits. Maybe he is. There were a hundred million a month in cocaine coming in and out of Mena, Arkansas. They had a problem. They were doing so much money in cocaine, a hundred million. You, inc- you create a problem in a little state like Arkansas. How do you clean one hundred million dollars a month? Adfa until now. A hundred million dollars a month in cocaine in 90s money. Yeah. 90s money. I, I hope he goes... And that's when he decided he had to run for president because that's how you launder all the money. I, that's not no, even close to what his that. accent is. No. I lost it halfway through and just yeah. committed to the vet. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't go that far with it. Right. 1989, never banked in Arkansas. What, what they would do is they would ship the money down to Florida. 
a bank in Florida, which later would be connected to BCCI. And, and, and look, I, I didn't bother to really deeply look up BCCI, uh, but I did Google it, and I prefer to think he's talking about the Board of Control for Cricket in India. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. came up when I Googled it immediately at the top, and I should have just stopped right there. Uh, <laughs> but apparently it's the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, which was just a bank that was shut down in the early 90s for fraud and Also, like, it doesn't and it doesn't really matter. Where, like, they're all federally connected and have to report federally, right? <laughs> right. So it's not, it's not like, oh, well, he's banked in Florida. Florida, so nobody noticed. They would ship money to a bank in Atlanta, Georgia, which, by the way, was later connected to BCCI. Lots of cricket fans in banks, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'd ship to Citicorp in New York, which would send the money overseas. And there was an interesting one. Why wouldn't you just send it straight Chicago. overseas, dickheads? <laughs> well, but the interesting one is a bank in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Presumably, bank, way, okay, but pause it. Bank. It presumably it makes its way back to fucking Arkansas eventually. And then you're still like, where did this hundred million come from? Well, it's been all over the world on a world tour. Yeah, that's all he goes on about. It's really oh, not okay. much more interesting than that. It's right. just, it, it's, he's painting the audio picture of a board he's, full of red he's string. He's doing, okay, that's what I was going to say. He's mm-hmm. doing the... Uh, Charlie Kelly. W- no, what's his name? The fucking it, Gary, it, he's doing the Gary Allen flow <laughs> diagram, but with words <laughs> instead of pictures. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Uh, so a bunch of claims in that movie. The, I watched the whole fucking thing. You're Why? Welcome. Why? You're Why? Welcome. Why? <laughs> because I had nothing better to do. Um, Clean of- your office. You just said you needed to do that. <laughs> yeah, this is better than that. But uh, you know, most of the claims in there are are very boring. A huge punk ch- uh, chunk of it is just that drug smuggling bullshit. Um, he hadn't really gotten the formula down on on what where he would go in his later career of Clinton conspiracies. Um, but, you know, there was never any evidence of this drug smuggling in this airport or all the money laundering claims and all this stuff. Uh, another thing from that documentary uh, was the earlier version of the Clinton body count, uh, which in that one was really just like, well, there were these two teenagers who were murdered uh, on some train tracks and the coroner fucked up the investigation and said they got drunk and fell on the tracks or something and got run over. Um, and basically this all goes to being a Clinton body count conspiracy because Clinton said something nice about the coroner. Okay. So of course the reality is that Clinton had them killed for witnessing one of his drug deals. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Clinton, Clinton body count is nothing to do with how many affairs Bill Clinton. Has no, had. but it should. Okay. But yeah. it should. That would make more sense. It wouldn't okay. be good, but it would be more connected to reality. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Falwell appeared in the film. Uh, the, the What's his body count? <laughs> Not as much as his son's. Uh, <laughs> his son has a, has a wider sway of the uh-huh. population that uh-huh. he's interested in. Though, so. Jerry Falwell didn't have any pool boys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he also Jerry Falwell also helped to distribute the Clinton Chronicles. Might tell you something about it. Um, Isn't it? I, I, I forget that pre-internet you had to be like, Jerry Falwell, will you hulk this videotape <laughs> around for me? Like, it is weird to think of like how how shit got around back then. You it can't just, just put shit on YouTube. You have to be like... Right. There was a time where we had to go to a store 
to buy things in they person. They wouldn't let us do this. Nobody would allow us to do this <laughs> podcast. Not at all. Uh, but Larry spent the rest of his life surviving essentially just on his Clinton conspiracies. Literally, up until he died, his main source of income was going on right wing, other than Social Security, uh, was going on right wing radio shows, including Alex Jones, where he was a regular, like I said, spouting some nonsense about the Clintons and asking for donations through his website. Does Alex Jones pay his guests? No. Uh, some of Alex's guests pay him oh, to be guests. That was something that came out in a recent, uh, recently re- uh, covered deposition by the Knowledge Fight Boys. Um, so you can check that out. They, they uh, covered that one. And yeah, turns out some of Alex's guests pay him to be on the show to hawk sense. whatever bullshit they're trying to sell. Um, but Larry would also give out his home address and phone number on the radio, which feels like a bad idea. Feels it's not like, a good idea. Feels, and it led to, I, I always, you know, when we talk about people connected to Alex, um, we go back to Knowledge Fight. Uh, the Knowledge Fight guys, back when Larry was still alive, actually called him at the number that he gave oh, out on Alex's show. how did that show. go? He answered, and he gave them Can, an interview. All right. <laughs> okay, well, you have to send me that episode. Um, and it was on one of these appearances on Alex Jones's show that true greatness occurred, Benedict. And this is the moment... We all have been waiting for, uh, as you can hear in this clip, this is when we learned something truly dark and dangerous about Hillary Rodham Clinton. So I'll just let you enjoy. Y'all may not know it. The back when Yeah, I told you the voice didn't get any better. <laughs> My, I, just, I just saw you jump when you heard it. I physically recoiled. Like as much <laughs> as much as as much as I have done in years. I'm going to start at the beginning again. Please don't. Y'all may not know it, but back when Hillary was first lady, she would go home the weekends to California with Lyndon Budworth Thomason and some of the others, ladies that did design and women. And they were they went to a church for witches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I believe it's called a coven. A church for witches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that's where that's from. Okay. So All the right. claim is that Hillary and Linda Bloodworth Thomas, who I believe was the writer of a Designing Women, a TV show from the 80s, uh, would go back to California and go to a church for witches. I'm going to replay it just because it's okay. so fucking good. And women. And they, were, they went to a church for witches. 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 <laughs> Witches. <laughs> now, do you want your president? Does he just fuck up saying it three times in a row? He just like has a horrible list. It's witches, witches, witches. Okay, you say that, but at this time in Larry's life, which I believe was uh, 2015, uh, he was on an oxygen tank and still smoking. Uh, so he wasn't doing great. Not great. There's um, a little bit more to it. There's a little honestly, bit more. maybe to me, I know this is an iconic clip, but I think the one about Ronald Reagan getting pegged is funnier. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you've been waiting to play this for me for a long time, but that one is so much funnier. To you me. know what? That one was pretty goddamn good. <laughs> I forget what episode that was in. I don't remember either. I also forget who said it. Was it Roger Stone? God, I don't remember who that was off the top of my head. Uh, I feel like it was maybe Roger Stone. I'd have to go find the episode or look at my notes. Okay, we got a couple seconds left on this clip. Let's listen okay, to it. Okay, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Lady that was trying to run for the Senate, and sometimes she'd gone to some 
place where they did witch stuff. We know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> this is just the greatest hits for us right here. Love it. Hillary went to a church and worshipped Satan. <laughs> oh, it doesn't get much better than that. It really doesn't get much better than that. Wow. Uh, and that wasn't all of Larry's crazy claims, right? Um, in 2013, he went on the Pete Santilli show, uh, where Larry claimed that he had Who been... Who the a- hell is that? He's another right-wing hack. Uh, where Larry claimed that he had been a hitman for the Clintons and had killed people at their command. Don't say that. Okay. <laughs> you, well, you should have warned him back yeah. then in 2013. Are you all taking notes on a fucking criminal conspiracy? <laughs> Don't. like lit- If we've learned anything from Jan 6, which we should have learned much mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, don't say your shit out loud. Don't record your crimes. <laughs> Uh, but don't worry, Benedict. Uh, he walked that back in 2015 by saying that he'd been on painkillers during that interview and didn't mean it. That's me on every episode of this podcast. <laughs> you heard it here. Benedict is always on painkillers. <laughs> I don't mean anything I say on this podcast. <laughs> For future legal trials. Uh, but Larry was not alone in the Clinton conspiracies, right? So we have to tell you about another figure in this uh, menagerie of of misfits point point of order on that we don't have to we are choosing to yeah well you you could stop eating food during the show if you want i'm not going to (laughs) i i am not professional this is a hobby but another big name in clinton conspiracies linda thompson and i know benedict that you have heard the name linda thompson do you recall the name linda thompson yes (laughs) that was a very hesitant yes no, I do. I, I want to say it's. I, you're gonna. This is wrong, but mm. I want to say it's in relation to sovereign citizenship. Ooh, you're close. Okay, you're actually okay. close. You're actually okay. close. She is the Waco, the big liar. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously, Linda's come up on our show before. Right? I don't know if if the audience remembers her, but she's one of the Waco conspiracists who made that movie that they played at the trial uh, of of. Uh, why am I blanking on the perpetrator of Oklahoma City's name? Oh, Jesus. Uh, Why would I be the one who can't remember that? I don't know. I also... Well, because there's so many fucking names. Uh, Timothy McVeigh. That just it, yeah, takes yeah, me a second sometimes. Yeah, that's because uh, there's so many of the fuckers. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the movie that claimed the FBI were machine gunning people as they tried to yeah, run yeah, out of the yeah. building and whatnot, all that stuff, right? So, Linda Thompson... Which, if you haven't listened to the episode, they weren't. Yeah, they were not. Uh, Linda Thompson was born April 26th, 1953 in Atlanta, Georgia, and became a lawyer working in Indianapolis. Uh, in 1990- Has she been disbarred? No, she should have been, though. For fuck's sake. In 1993... What is the she- point of being able to disbar people if you can't you disbar know, these motherfuckers? I ask myself that question repeatedly as a lawyer. Uh, but in 1993, she quit her job to form a group called the American Justice Foundation or Federation, rather, uh, which is a pro-gun, anti-government group with deep militia connections and spending most of his time engaged in the fallout of the aforementioned Waco siege. Okay. She also made the Waco The Big Lie movie that same year in 1993, which probably was related to a lot of her anti-Clinton activity, since Clinton was the president at the time of Waco, and most who were on the side of the Branch Davidians blamed him and Janet Reno, and certainly there's some blame to go around there for the way it all got fucked up. But... Uh 
1994, Linda decided to put together a list of 24 people who had some connection to the Clintons and had died under what she believed to be suspicious circumstances. Is this the first? I know you talked about the body count from the other guy, but is the fir- is this the first like list? This of- is yeah. This is like the beginning of the real Clinton body count. This is where it really comes from, uh, writ large. And she sent this list to a former congressman named William Dannemeyer, uh, who was himself an outrageous anti-Semite who claimed that Jews were trying to legalize the murder of Christians to bring in their new world order. Great. Um, why? (laughs) (laughs) Do anti-Semites need a why? No, why did she send it to him specifically? Oh, probably because he's a raging anti-Semite. Okay, that makes sense. She's on his team, you know? Like, she's, you know... Yeah, but, uh, like, send it to a, like, okay. a current congressman. Like, send well, it to fucking Newt Gingrich. She'll do more with it. Not I'm a sure. whole lot of current congressmen who would listen to something this crazy and also have connections with the hard-right white supremacist fringe. So Send it to Pat Buchanan. Well, don't worry, Benedict, because Dana Meyer... Oh, uh, oh she did. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Dan, was, I don't think Pat Buchanan was ever... Um, God, was Pat Buchanan ever elected... I don't think so, but I, I mean, he he, he definitely had connections. He was, I mean, he ran for president, obviously, but and he was an advisor to Reagan, but I don't think he was ever elected to any office that I'm aware of. I, I would think I would remember that if that was the case, just looking at his Wikipedia now, just because I, I have to know. And no, he was not no, ever elected. No, I don't think so. Anyway. I don't think he was ever elected. No. But he had enough connections that she, he could have helped out. Sure, certainly, certainly. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a friend of William Dannemeyer. Uh, but... Uh, you know, th- that particular conspiracy fun thing about that, the, you know, they're going to legalize the murder of Christians. That is one which is very prevalent in the early to mid nineties. Uh, right wing fringe is something that you could hear on like the Alex Jones show back then. And it would change depending on, you know, who exactly was saying it. Something like they're going to pass this law to honor a rabbi or, or under the guise of like, this is about bringing all the religions together or something. It varies depending on who's telling it. Doesn't well, it's matter. Just, it's just a spin on blood libel, isn't it? It is. It's exactly what it is. Uh, But Dannemeyer then forwarded that list to Republicans in Congress who called for hearings into it. Oh, cool. So Republicans haven't changed. Nope, not at all. Never change. You stay you, buddy. Uh, And the Clinton body count conspiracy, we know, didn't end with that list, right? Every time anyone dies with any connection to the Clintons, they get added. Even with no connection to the Clintons. We play like 18 degrees of separation. Right. Right. You're putting Kevin Bacon to shame here. Um, And most of the claims are pretty ridiculous, but we're going to talk about a couple of them, obviously. Uh, Linda also, during her lifetime, of course, promoted the FEMA camp conspiracy. Uh, And in 1994, the same year as the list, she declared herself the acting adjutant general of the unorganized militia of the United States. Which just brings me back to all those fun vibes from our militia episodes of people constantly declaring themselves in charge and all the other militia leaders saying, the fuck you are. Yeah, it's also like the most Monty Python ass name that I've ever heard. <laughs> it needs like 20 more adjectives added in to be a yeah, Monty yeah. Python Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, she tried to organize an armed march on D.C., which was even denounced by the John Birch Society and, of course, failed. And she was arrested in late 1994 for blocking a presidential motorcade and found to have a gun in her purse, although for some oh, reason cool. she was not charged. Uh, Linda died of a medication overdose in 2009. That's sad. We don't want to, you know, make fun of her for that. Uh, uh, just uh, everything else that she did in her life. Just everything else, obviously. So... 
the Clinton body count, Benedict. Uh, probably mm. the meta conspiracy within Clinton conspiracies. Um, it, the the what's the opposite of meta? What's the is there an opposite of that? Uh, mina <laughs> a- a- outright. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Minna conspiracy, because it's within a conspiracy, um, is probably the longest going of the bunch uh, easily. And you know, many of you have probably heard or seen some right wingers screeching the name of someone they claim was murdered by the Clintons. So why don't we just start with a couple that are easy to cross off, right? See Victor Riser. The <laughs> That's second. what the Clintons said, too. <laughs> Got him. C. Uh, Victor Riser II was the national finance co-chairman for Bill Clinton's campaign in 1992. On July 30th of that year, he died in a plane crash while on a fishing trip with his sons. Now, although the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, investigated and determined pilot error to be the cause, that doesn't stop the conspiracists from, of course, claiming him to be a Clinton victim because... He was the finance guy, so he knew about all that drug money or something. Knew where like all that. the bodies were buried. Yeah, uh, Mary Mohane was a White House intern who was shot dead by a robber in a Starbucks in Georgetown in 1997. Okay. Uh, while sad, she did heroically try to grab the robber's gun, which is why she ended up getting shot. But despite that, there is no reason to think that there is a- anything going on there. But okay. you know, she was uh, in the Clinton White House, so she's part of the the list. But the big one that most people probably know is, of course, Vince Foster. And I would say the big one is Seth Rich. I, in more, we're still in the Bill Clinton years. We're going no, semi chronological. Okay, 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 okay. We're still in the Bill Clinton years here. We're not getting Fine. to Hillary's murders yet. Uh, so Vince Foster was a partner at the Rose Law Firm in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, head of the local ABA chapter, and he worked frequently with the legal aid clinics in the area, which is how he met Hillary Clinton, who began her legal career in legal aid. Uh, Vince eventually hired Hillary to work at Rose Law Firm, where she became the firm's first female associate and later its first female partner. That's uh, not great, surely. I mean, I guess, again, it's Arkansas, but it, like... It was the 70s. I okay. mean, it was that time when we were finally starting to get some some women in law firms. And, you know, as someone who works in law today, who is a lawyer, uh, and is... I would say I... There is still a balance towards men at in law firms, particularly big law firms. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the gap is closing, and it's a good thing to see. For the, yeah. the last two years uh, at my firm, we have hired more women than men in both classes, which I think is a good thing. Which you know? is more sexism against men. <laughs> well, I still got hired somehow. This wokery has gone too far. Yeah. Uh, so by all accounts, Vince was a great lawyer and a good person. And in 1992, he was hired by Bill as the deputy White House counsel. So that's within the White House counsel office. There's going to be a number of deputy counsels, maybe two or three of them. Um, and they're people who just, you know, work along with the head White House counsel, the chief White House counsel, do all the various tasks and things. Uh-huh. And Vince did not take well to the transition to politics and the constant attacks that were aimed at him, and many were aimed at him in particular, uh, for his role as deputy counsel, just for being a friend of Hillary, of Bill Clinton and people claiming corruption for how he got the job, as well as the scandals he had to deal with while he was at the White House in which the press had attacked him for, particularly the White House travel office controversy, which is one of the earliest controversies of the Clinton presidency, which related to Clinton firing several officials in the White House travel office right after he took office, and the backlash in the public to that decision. I don't need to really get into that because it's actually kind of dumb and boring, but basically he fired a bunch of people and put in people he trusted or was friends with or whatever, 
People tried to make a big deal out of it because they were angry about it. That's the whole story. I wish people had this much energy for Donald Trump. I like. I know we did, but I wish the people that cared about this stuff had the yeah, same. Yeah, funny how it disappears the moment a Republican gets into office. Yeah. Uh, but Vince told his sister that he was depressed about the whole situation, the way his life was going and everything. And on July 19th, 1993, he sought treatment for depression. But on July 20th, 1993, Foster was found dead in Fort Marcy Park in Washington, D.C., with a gun in his hand and a single gunshot wound to the head. And Foster very clearly had died by suicide. And even an investigation by Ken fucking Starr <laughs> said that there was no evidence to the support... The famously bipartisan yeah, investigator. Famous yeah. lover of Bill Clinton, obviously. Didn't he die recently? Did Ken yeah, Starr I die so. recently? I think that was a thing. Uh, but he, even his investigation, said that there was no evidence to support any claim that Foster was murdered. But of course... His position as deputy White House counsel made him just too juicy to stay off of the Clinton body count list. Um, a resignation letter was found in his briefcase, torn into a number of pieces. And that letter said, quote, I made mistakes from ignorance, inexperience, and overwork. I did not knowingly violate any law or standard of conduct. No one in the White House, to my knowledge, violated any law or standard of conduct, including any action in the travel office. There was no intent to benefit any individual or specific group. The FBI lied in their report to the AG. That's the FBI who had said that there was some bad things going on with relation to this travel office thing. Mm -hmm. The press is covering up the illegal benefits they've received from the travel staff. The GOP has lied and misrepresented its knowledge and role and covered up a prior investigation. The usher's office plotted to have excessive costs incurred, taking advantage of khaki and HRC. The public will never believe the innocence of the Clintons and their loyal staff. The WSJ, Wall Street Journal, editors lie without consequence. I was not meant for the job or the spotlight of public life in Washington. Here, ruining people is considered sport. And I read that notch because it pretty clearly displays his state of mind, but it also because the man deserves to have his words heard over the noise mm -hmm. of the Clinton conspiracists who scream about him all their bullshit. But as with many conspiracies, uh, this was not largely a bottom-up conspiracy. And, you know, those do exist out there. We've talked about, I think, a couple of them probably. Mm -hmm. um, but in many cases, many respects rather, this was a top-down conspiracy, promoted by right-wing politicians and activists who saw it as an opportunity. And in 1997, David Brock wrote a piece in Esquire about his time as a right-wing activist titled, quote, Confessions of a Right-Wing Hitman, which sadly is behind a paywall for all of us who aren't Esquire subscribers. <laughs> but in 1999, uh, the Washington Post published an article led primarily by the statements of David Brock in that article, which I'll link to. And if you don't know who David Brock is... Um, for most of his career, he was a sort of a conservative activist hack uh, who played a big role in pushing the Whitewater scandal, the Troopergate scandal, all these various things. And now he runs Media Matters, uh, oh. which is an organization I find incredibly important and helpful for this show in particular. So he seems to have done all right. He's, yep. he's uh, uh, made it through all right. Um, he seems to be a, you know, he's not going to be perfect like any person is, but he seems decent enough. And in his article, in this Washington Post article, um, he detailed the corruption, they, I say he and they because they're quoting from him a lot, detailed the corruption and influence of this thing called the Arkansas Project, okay. which was a, heavy air quotes, investigative reporting project. <laughs> 
funded by billionaire mega donor Richard Mellon Scaife, who owned okay. the American Spectator magazine, where most of this was published, Great. which had hired Brock to take part in the project. Um, Brock's article told of how, after the time of Vince, Vince Foster's death, he had been summoned to meet with a man named Rick Armistead, an investigator mm. who was paid by the project, who had tried to convince him of an elaborate Vince Foster murder scenario and numerous other skeezy attempts at smears, which Brock and others involved described as embarrassing. It, all of this is embarrassing. There's nothing about any of this is not embarrassing. Is. Everyone I, involved I in all of this should be fucking... I agree. Yeah. But as we know, Benedict, the Clinton body count didn't end in the 90s. In our own times, it is considered, and as you mentioned, of course, most notably with the case of Seth Rich. Do you think if I published a book called, like, The Clintons Tried to Kill Me? <laughs> I think you should. I don't think. I, I might need legal representation <laughs> if I did. I think if it's a parody, it's protected. Okay. Uh, so a while back, I mentioned a book about the Seth Rich murder that I learned about through an interview that the author did. Um, and it's called A Death on W Street, The Murder of Seth Rich in the Age of Conspiracy by Andy Kroll. Uh, I wanted to plug it because I didn't remember the name of it at the time when I last mentioned it. Um, and also, I, I purchased a copy last night. It hasn't arrived yet, but I bought it because I decided I wanted to read it. But... Seth Rich was a staffer at the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, with the title of Voter Expansion Data Director. Which um, pretty much has nothing to do with the, the Clinton. Like, I know that the DNC is involved in trying to get the Democrat president elected. I get that. Yeah. But, like, it's not like it was, like, Clinton's assistant. No, not at all. Not at all. And there's this really fucking embarrassing, uh, you know, since we're reading Alex Jones's book right now, so I, I feel like we focus on him a lot, but also he's connected to most of this because he was one of the main people pushing all this shit. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a fucking embarrassing uh, uh, Alex Jones clip uh, that, you know, again, I learned about from the Knowledge Fight guys. Always got to give them credit. They do an amazing job. Um, where Alex claimed that he had like a smoking gun with Seth Rich. And it was about Seth Rich and it had to do with voter fraud and like... He played the clip on his show, and it was just like a, a Seth Rich asking a question at a forum of like, how do we, uh, you know, get like form documents so that we can have like an exemplar to work with for showing voters how to cure their ballots? And Alex had just lied about what the fuck was going to be said, and he clearly hadn't watched it ahead of time. It's just desperate attempts. Desperate. You mean you attempts. mean to tell me that Alex Jones a didn't do his research, b said a thing, said something that it didn't, and c got mad about it for no reason believe it or not benedict i'm telling you that oh wow uh but rich started working at the dnc in 2014 he was originally from omaha nebraska and was raised in a jewish family okay. uh, according to family and friends he was passionate about democracy and voter engagement in particular and at the dnc one of his tasks was to develop to help develop an app to help voters find their polling locations um, which is funny because everyone who ever met him and talked about him said he could not use computers to save his life. Okay. He was apparently very bad with computers. That says a lot about the DNC, to be honest. Yeah, it does. Uh, and on Sunday, July 10th, 2016, at 4.20 a.m., smoke him if you got him. Uh, <laughs> I hate no. myself for doing yeah, that. Yeah, don't do that. Blaze it. Uh, <laughs> I can't help it. I saw 420 on the page yeah, and I no, ruined everything. You got to cut that out. <laughs> I can't now. Uh, but at 420 a.m., Seth was shot and killed in the Bloomingdale neighborhood of Washington, D.C. Uh, earlier that night, he'd been out at a bar. Uh, and according to police, the killing was an attempted robbery gone wrong. Uh, according to Seth's mother, he had bruises on his hands, face and knees. 
Um, but the conspiracy started days after Seth's death on social media because hey, I'm honestly surprised it took that long. Well, uh, the at the time of his death, the emails hadn't leaked yet, uh, um, okay. so it was you know it, it took a couple of days before people started making the claims because you know none of these people actually know what's going on. Everything is hindsight and then putting yep. bullshit together. So they have to wait until events actually happen and then claim they had predicted them ahead of time, like Alex Jones always does. Anyways, do you know? Okay, can I just say something quickly? Mm-hmm. This all reminds me so much and like in a way worse real world way, but I don't know if this happens so much with American sports, but like the way people treat like trade rumors in sports <laughs> and just like just putting anything out there. Oh, and seeing yeah. What's oh, yeah. I knew. I knew LeBron was taking his talent to South Beach. He, I exactly. knew. <laughs> but then people tweet stuff and then it's like, oh, well, he was right there. He must know something. Like, I'll follow yeah. that person. That th- Social media is absolutely full of those people in sports. And it's just the same shit. Like, we just have this natural mm-hmm. instinct as humans, I think, yep. to be like, oh, this guy must know. What he's he was right once. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's Alex Jones's whole game. He constantly throws out bullshit. And, you know, I, I got into an argument the other day. I had a tweet go semi-viral, right? Got, like... A, a lot of engagement uh, and ended Mr. up arguing with some Alex Jones here. fans. Yeah, I saw that. with some Alex Jones fans. And one of the arguments was like, well, you know, yeah, he might not always be right, but a lot of the crazy stuff he says turns out coming true. And I said something. Was that Tucker Carlson? Was Tucker Carlson tweeting <laughs> you from his burner? Might as well have been. You know, yeah, it's like if you go to a, a horse track and place a thousand bets and bet on every single horse eventually you might get one right. Uh, you might get the winning horse if you bet on all of them. And that's basically Alex's game, is just to claim everything under the sun uh, in vague enough forms that later he can come back and say, oh, look at that thing that isn't actually related to the thing that happens. That sounds like it might be, so that's that's me making a correct prediction. Uh, not, not me writing an essay of Alex Jones as the 21st century's Nostradamus. Oh, he really is, though. But, you know, Seth worked at the DNC, and DNC emails were leaked. So, must be connected, right? That's all it takes. That's yeah. all you really need. You don't need anything better than that. And one of the first figures, big figures to start pushing it was human colostomy bag and notorious right-wing smear merchant Roger Stone, hmm. who, of course, has his own connections to the DNC email leak in that he had contacted Guccifer 2.0 in Twitter DMs shortly before the leaks and notoriously tweeted out just days before the leak occurred, quote, it will soon be Podesta's time in the barrel, end quote. And in a separate tweet, quote, Wednesday Hillary is done, hashtag WikiLeaks. Huh. So maybe had some some forethought and foreknowledge. Also, Twitter DMs are not uh, privately encrypted, so that would be interesting if any of that ever comes out. Plus, I can slide right into them. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I will notably not be sliding into any DMs, so... From there, of course, though, the Seth Rich conspiracy took off uh, with, at the time, fringe conspiracy figures. And Alex was more fringe in 2016 that he is. Certainly he's mainstream now. Uh, but people like Alex Jones. Do you think he was more fringe before InfoWars got banned? Really? Um, I, I think it's not InfoWars getting banned that brought him into the center. I think it is people like Tucker Carlson and the uh, uh, all these shitbags uh, with their YouTube shows, you know, um, who have have promoted him, uh, Rogan yeah. and everyone. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Well, he was on Turning was Point on USA. Had him headline one of their conferences. 
No, I understand that. And I think I, that is an... In, I think... Here's what the point I'm getting at. Let me get it out first. I think it is an intentional, top-down decision from these people, these powerful, influential people, like Charlie Kirk and Tucker Carlson and all these, to promote Alex Jones because it they recognize that their base has gone totally to the conspiracy side. Hmm. And they think that no, they need to normalize things like Alex Jones to maintain their base. I will say beginning to sound a little conspiratorial yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even conspiratorial because these things actually happened. Tucker it's just guessing at mo- to Charlie Kirk. It's just is guessing at motivations. No, I, I am know, guessing I at their motivations. That's all it is. I'm lightly jibing. Uh-huh. But, you know, obviously, like I said, Alex Jones, uh, the Gateway Pundit, Mike Cernovich, Jack Posobiec, and others oh, jumped on the conspiracy that. early. Um, eventually, famously, Sean Hannity began to promote the conspiracy extensively with the help of folks like Geraldo Rivera. Why did I say Geraldo? I know it's Geraldo. Why did I read it that way? <laughs> Geraldo. Uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, bicep in a t-shirt, Tom Fitton, and Jay Sekulow. And of course, there's the notorious statements of Julian Assange. Uh, pay, of course, no attention to his Twitter DMs that leaked in 2018, which showed him trying to get more docs from Guccifer 2.0 at the same time he was claiming that Seth Rich was the leaker. But Assange is a piece of shit, even if you think he's doing important work, so that's not surprising at all. Uh, of course, we've also discussed that Jacob Wool's good buddy Jack Berkman himself got involved <laughs> at one point. Go back and listen to that brilliant episode. That's probably, if I had to say, my favorite episode of last year was the Jacob Wool episode. No. Fucking brilliant. I, I put together a lot of good episodes last year. I'm proud of my fascism episode. I'm very proud of uh, my militia, the mini militia series. Mm. But that Jacob Wool episode, I feel that was a banger. That one was a banger. Yeah. Um, but if you want to hear the fun story of Jack getting shot in the ass by his own investigator, <laughs> go back and listen to that. I forgot about that. But as every actual investigation has shown, uh, Seth Rich was not the leaker, and that whole disgraceful debacle was nothing more than a political smear campaign. But as we all know, all right, Bill Clinton left office in uh, uh, 2000, and uh, the U.S. had eight years of Christian nationalism in the White House, and then came a cool young black guy to save us all, and everything was good ever after, and nobody was ever sad again. Okay, goodbye! <laughs> That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. See you later. Yeah, no, of course, during that cool black <laughs> and guy's And we didn't presidency. have to start this podcast because we're sliding into fascism uh-huh. every day. Yeah, we all know that cool black guy. He never had any conspiracy theories aimed at him. Uh, there was never anybody making any claims <laughs> about that guy. He was just so cool that everyone loved him. Um, but uh, he happened to appoint a young lady by the name of Hillary Rodham Clinton to be the second Secretary of State of the United States, um, and that got everyone up in a tizzy all over again, uh, because, you know, I don't want to say that it was just uh, uh, the, the things we always talk about for this, right, the Tea Party uh, and the, the the rise of this conspiratorial movement on the right, which of course was already there, w- was gaining mainstream prominence with people like Glenn Beck and all those who came about at the time, but Something happened between 2008 and 2016 that broke the right's brains. And I don't want to just say it's Obama, because we always say that, and I think there's much more to it than that, right? I I think, as I've argued in the past, the primary reason had more to do with chickens and their roosting habits. Mm. Um, wherein the dangerous and unhinged lunatics that the right had been cultivating as their voting base for decades finally reached the point where they seized the reins of power and started running the ship. You know, that's so I, I think all those other things are connected. Obama, their hatred for him, that was connected. The Tea Party and the lunacy that came there, the popularity of Glenn Beck, 
all this stuff is connected to creating this, but it is the fact that finally these people who had been hearing all this insanity since they were young, people who had grown up at the age of Rush Limbaugh on the radio and then uh, Bill O'Reilly on TV and just a constant stream of this stuff, they finally hit that age. They finally mm. hit that age where, where they were able to vote and able to be elected and all this sort of stuff. So just for the timeline <clears throat> of her, she's first lady until 2001. She's then New York senator from 2001 until 2009, I think. To, uh, that makes sense because Obama was elected in 08, would have been inaugurated in 2009. Yes, that timeline and then, works for me. So she's secretary of state from then until I think a couple of years before she runs for president. I don't remember when she resigned as secretary I of think state. I could not I, tell you. I, know I would guess 2013, but I'm not sure. Sounds right. Let's go with okay. it. I didn't write it in my notes. But okay. um, the same time period, there's also uh, this guy from New York whose mind was jelly and eventually became president on the back of these Clinton conspiracy theories. So mm-hmm. it's worth also briefly looking at one that's been covered to death uh, from that time around the 2016 election period, the Russia Uranium One conspiracy. Oh, Jesus. I forgot about so, that. So I see you grimacing. Uh, yeah, it's. Do you know why? It's because I was gonna send you a tweet that I saw that Dan Bongino did a thing of um, like connecting Joe Biden, Ukraine, and mm-hmm. George Soros. Yeah, he did that today. So we might have to look at that next week. Yeah, uh, maybe. The way you, the, uh, it's all bad. It's all bad. <laughs> but the heart of the Uranium One conspiracy also ties back to a long-running claim from the Clinton conspiracists about vast corruption going on with them, within their empire. Right. Uh-huh. Of course, with Larry Nichols, it was about cocaine drug running, but, you know, just general claims of corruption are nothing new with with political figures. And there might be some there there. There might be a little bit of there. I'm not going to say there's not some there there, but definitely this shit in particular is not the there there. This is some <laughs> fake ass bullshit. Uh, so Larry and others spent years claiming corruption against the Clintons with no evidence whatsoever for their claims. I, I love people who are like, just say it's uranium. No one knows what that is. Right. <laughs> like... Have you ever seen any uranium? Yeah, uh, it's very much felt like. I remember reading about this at the time. Now it's like brought by. I think, you know, when people go to therapy and like a memory gets unlocked, I think that's just what happened to me God. with this. It's like some past One trauma. of these days we're going to have this on this show where you suddenly remember everything I've told you over the last several years. <laughs> it's all going to come flooding in at once. And I think just I literally break. block everything out in real time <laughs> as you're talking. I'm like, cool, never will think about that again. You're going to start drooling on the floor. <laughs> this is literally what makes this podcast good is I forget everything you've ever said and I have to react in real time to everything you're mm-hmm. saying because I don't remember any yep. of it. Yep. But a lot of this stuff sort of gets tied on like ancillary conspiracies to actual things that the Clintons did or were involved with that may have involved misconduct like Whitewater and whatnot. Uh, but as we saw with Larry, for the most part, they were doing this just because, you know, uh, uh, you need uh, to you, forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, nobody's going to complain if we're talking shit about these people that we all hate in our clubhouse over here. There's there's no downside to making these claims. There's none whatsoever. The Clintons aren't going to sue you. They're public figures, so they probably can't win. And also, they they don't give a fuck about Larry Nichols. Mm. They were done with Larry Nichols in 1988 after he finished his phone calls with the Contras. So most presidents when they leave office, set up a foundation in their name. And the Clintons were no different. So as you would expect, 
the general allegation was of complete corruption of the Clinton Foundation, using the foundation to take bribes, funneling it into their own pockets, etc. Which is funny because it was actually true of the Trump Foundation. (laughs) Actually was, yeah. Of course, there wasn't any evidence to any of that, but as we've seen, that never stops them. Uh, One of the more prominent conspiracies you will hear about this is that the Clinton Foundation used $3 million in funds donated for Haiti relief to pay for Chelsea Clinton's wedding. Mm. And where does that $3 million come from? That's just how much her wedding was reported to have cost. So, so that's, of course, it has to be $3 million because I am, it all came I am now on board with every conspiracy theory about the Clintons. There you there go. Is no, there is no way that... Actually, to be fair, that's like a 30-person ceremony in a nice building. <laughs> <laughs> in current wedding costs. As someone who has not gotten married and does not plan to, I... Good luck, all you out there. Uh, you know, don't don't even bother considering the fact that Chelsea's husband is a multimillionaire hedge fund manager and that mm. the Clintons have made tens of millions after Bill's presidency in their book deals alone. Why would you need to look at any of that to wonder where the money for the wedding might have come from? But uh, the allegations... And also all the cocaine deals. All the cocaine deals. It's all cocaine money. That's the truth about Chelsea's wedding. Uh, her, her dress... Made entirely out of cocaine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, instead of an I do, he just snorted a line from the dress. <laughs> so oh, the allegation no. stems almost entirely from another WikiLeaks email of a Clinton staffer who was complaining that Chelsea had said that she was going to be looking into the Clinton Foundation finances. Apparently at one point, Chelsea wanted to get more involved and wanted to oversee things better, whatever. Uh, and the staffer mentioned something in that email which may have actually led to legitimate criticism, which was that Chelsea had been paid for campaigning for the Clintons. Campaigning? Is Is that when you complain (laughs) on the campaign trail? Complaining. Which apparently is not illegal to pay for things like travel and lodging and blah, 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 and, you know, uh, modest fees and whatnot. But apparently that part got overlooked because I think that's sort of scummy and maybe that should have been criticized. Uh, But that part was overlooked in favor of the line uh, in this list of things the person was complaining about that was, quote, using foundation resources for her wedding. That was the line. Now, what does that mean? Well, it could could mean anything. It could mean like she borrowed some equipment and speakers and stuff for her wedding from the foundation. It could mean that she had some people who work for the foundation do shit for her wedding, all of which would not be great, but it turned into, they stole 3 million in Haiti funds for her wedding in a single bound. It really didn't need anything more than that. That was it. But of course, as regards uranium one, uh, in 2005, Frank Giustra, so I'm going to pronounce it, a Canadian entrepreneur, founder of Lionsgate Studios, and oh. chair of Endeavor Capital. That's uh, not a small studio. No, it's not. not. It's a very it's large a large one. studio. It's done a lot of good movies, as a matter yeah. of fact. A lot of good stuff has gone through Lionsgate. Um, and the chair of Endeavor Capital, which owned a number of mining interests, donated $31.3 million to the Clinton Foundation with an overall pledge of $100 million over the coming next few years. You might notice that this was 2005, and George did he Bush also get his hundred million from cocaine money, or is that just that's different hundred million? All those sweet, sweet cocaine mines. Okay. Um, and in 2007, Uranium One, a Canadian mining company, acquired Eurasia Energy from Frank Giustra through Endeavor Capital. You might notice once again this was 2007, and George Bush was president. Mm. Giustra's uh, payment, Giustra's payments are the source of the bulk of the number you will hear from the conspiracy theorists, the massive number of $145 million that proponents of the conspiracy claim were part of a bribe to Clinton to approve 
the 2010 sale of Uranium One, which now owned Eurasia. Remember that company that Frank Giestra sold to mm. Uranium One, and he was no longer involved with at all. Uh, uh, to uh, the Russian energy company Rosatom. Rosatom. I don't yeah, know what yeah. the fuck. It's, it's Russian. Um, I'm allowed to be mean about Russian right now. There were other <laughs> donations, uh, some from people who actually were connected to Uranium One, uh, like $2.5 from Ian Telfer, uh, who was a Canadian man, to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, $500,000 that Bill was paid for a speech by a bank that was selling stock in Uranium One, but doesn't appear to have any connection beyond that. But the conspiracy overlooks some pretty important facts. Uh, most notably that those sorts of donations from rich people to big foundations are normal and something they do every tax year to help get rid of their liabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, there's that. Um, also, probably also, more rich people are all the fucking same. Yeah, like they run in yeah. the same circles. Chelsea is good friends with George Bush's daughters. You know, they're all they're all in the same incestuous. It is circles. funny that none of the Trumps are friends with any of them though, because everyone was like, "Fuck these them. people, fuck these assholes." Uh, but most importantly, I would say, is the fact that. Obviously, the claim we know is that Hillary was bribed to approve the sale of Uranium One to the Russian energy company. Uh, well, since uranium is considered a strategic resource, the sale of Uranium One, this company, which had uh, uranium uh, mines in the United States, had to be approved by the Committee on Foreign Investments in the United States, a body that was composed of the heads of nine different governmental agencies, of which Clinton was only one. Also, the fact that she wasn't actually involved in the decision, uh, she didn't, you know, go to that board or anything or deal with their stuff other than, in a, you know, the minor role that... Uh, uh, someone who has final approval on anything might have, but an assistant secretary of state named Jose Fernandez is the one who actually sat on that board, went to meetings, and voted on behalf of the uh, uh, State Department. And now he's dead. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he was, that would make for a good Clinton body count conspiracy. Um, none of the other agencies on that board objected to the sale. The sale was also approved by the Utah Division of Radiation Control and Canada's Foreign Investment Review Agency. Nobody had a problem with it, but this is a lot all... of hoops to jump through. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there was also an investigation done by the FBI under the Trump administration because that administration's priorities were set by pro Fox News propaganda and retweets. Uh, but the investigation found nothing. And then a review of that investigation, which was ordered by Jeff Sessions, also found nothing. And then a review of that a review investigation. Of the review. <laughs> it would be great if there was a third one there. Uh, but by this time, we were in. Uh, you know, Lock Her Up was still echoing in the ears of the right, and they were looking for any tail to wag the dog that they just wouldn't give up on. And part of this new dangerous lurch rightward, which will be an episode of ours all to itself eventually, was the rise of the new meta-conspiracy, the QAnon meta-conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Which, as uh, most... Well, I don't, you know where yeah. we're going from here. <laughs> Straight to fucking Pizzagate town, yes, right? That's, yeah. yes, is. As most probably know, had its root not just in the age-old tradition of calling all of your enemies pedophiles because their coming for your kids has been a mainstay since long before the protocols of the elders of Zion screened it from their mountaintops of Henry Ford's newspaper, but especially in a little event called Pizzagate. Now, like I said, QAnon will get an entire episode of its own in the near future, so I don't want to delve too deep to avoid retreading too much territory when we get to it, but if you don't know, 
The basics are that there is an elite Satanist pedophile cabal that fights on the side of evil against the good, upright, Christian conservative majority by basically using the protocols of the elders of Zion as a checklist. Corrupting the youth, spreading falsehoods like CRT, pedophilia, murdering children for their adrenochrome because somebody let somebody who shouldn't have read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's a mashup of anti-Semitic tropes with a new spin on vampire mythology and all the craziness that the most cracked up minds can cobble together. But before that got going, uh, attention was focused on a small restaurant in Washington, D.C. called Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria, which I should have taken you to. When yeah, you we came to gone. visit me in DC. Is it still I, open? Yeah, it's still open. Uh-huh. It's still it, it's a a widely reviewed restaurant, and I think it's been on um, uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah, no. All I know about it is the guy that fucking went there. You with what's a gun. coming? You know yeah, what's coming? Yeah, no, I know what's coming. <laughs> Uh, Comet Ping Pong is owned by a chef and restaurateur named uh, James Oliphantus, uh, who just by coincidence, not really coincidence, prominent people in D.C. all run in the same circles, uh, previously dated David Brock. Oh, fun. Ah, it all ties together. There you uh, go. Now, immediately following the leaking of John Podesta's emails and the DC- DNC leak, the right's best and brightest internet sleuths went to work uh, and did what they did best. <laughs> You're not allowed to laugh there. <laughs> It makes you sound like more of a coastal elitist. Uh, and they created a conspiracy out of whole cloth. So Literally. Podesta literally, was like, hey, we're cloth. ordering pizza. Does anyone want anything? And then yes. someone went, I'll have two white ones. And then that was it. That's literally... I'm, it's not exactly that, but it's not fucking far off. Like, that's mostly what yep. it is. Yep. Uh, so starting on October 30th, 2016, uh, a white supremacist Twitter sock puppet account, at uh, David Goldberg, New York, started tweeting that the emails contained evidence that a pedophilia ring existed and Hillary Clinton was at the center of it. Uh, a core element But they were the... dumb enough to write it down and but only like mm-hmm. swap out pizza terms for <laughs> fucking children. Ridiculous. <laughs> Fuck off. Get a life, honestly. Go uh, outside. <laughs> Touch grass once. Wow, Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Clean your room. Uh, Maybe they <laughs> fucking should. Maybe Jordan Peterson's right. Honestly. <laughs> a core element of the claim is that words like pizza, hot dogs, and walnut sauce are all pedophile code words. Kevin, I am going to scream. Like, I, I, and that some FBI manual out there, which if you ever actually find it online, is coincidentally a poorly spelled word, word document. That uh, doesn't surprise me about the FBI, <laughs> to be fair. I would believe that. Details how pedophiles use all of these code words. Of course... Also, coincidentally, nobody was ever calling any of those words pedophile code words until they were found in the DNC email leaks. Yeah. But I digress. But as with most conspiracy theories, there is a tiny, tiny bit of truth at the core of this, however pathetic or unrelated that truth may be. And in this case, the truth is that people send emails about food sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, pedophiles do use code words on the internet. That is true. Sure. Oh, Sure. But this was not uh, that. Yeah, this was not that. This was not that. But, um, you know. It's like, oh, who would ever email their coworker <laughs> about pizza? Okay, tell me you've never worked in a shitty office without telling me you've never oh, worked yeah, in a shitty right? office. Like, Anyone who's ever worked in an office, or especially if you've worked or volunteered in politics, knows yeah. there's a lot of free pizza around. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how exactly. things work. Three and million all- from the Clinton Foundation went towards <laughs> pizza. 
cocaine pizza. Yeah. Uh, and although I don't know if anyone knows exactly why, King a Comet Ping Pong soon became one of the alleged sites where this I think, ritual I think they ordered from there. I think they, I think they said see, they were ordering from I there. I wasn't about to go dig through all the DNC emails to see if that was the case. Uh, but my theory is that, A, that might be a, that, that's a possibility, right? Uh, but also, there are a bunch of other places people named as where this was going on. One of them was a place called Eastside Pies in Austin, Texas, which as far as I can tell, there's no connection to in any of the DNC emails. Um, it's really just probably that Alex Jones lives in Austin and people wanted their own place to claim was a pedophile cabal place. That's probably what's going on. But I would also Great. guess that the David Brock connection is involved in why Comet Ping Pong was chosen because the far right hates David Brock and Media Matters. Um, and also because it's a pretty well-known pizza restaurant in D.C., which I would characterize as having sort of kooky art inside. Like some of like it's just like they chose stuff that's weird on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that a lot of people would claim was proof of this conspiracy uh, was like there was a, a photo of a young girl whose hands were duct taped to a table. Mm. Um, and as it turns out, that was Oliphantus's uh, niece. And like she had done that and they thought it was funny. So they took a picture and put it on the wall in the restaurant. I'm looking at the Google reviews just because I want to see if anyone mentions it. And upsettingly, even in the one-star reviews, nobody has mentioned it. They just say the food is bad. Well, (laughs) I feel like I would mention it. Oh, okay. Someone said, owners kept eyeing up my kids. Weird atmosphere won't be returning. Okay. A few people have said something about kids, like people are referencing kids in like yeah. a like a subtle well, way. Well, I'm sure learn... I'm sure they remove the um, yeah the direct it, ones. It, it wouldn't surprise you to learn that at one point they had to lock their Yelp account, and they probably monitor it pretty regularly for all the people who still believe this bullshit today. One says one from four years ago says too kid friendly, which is like too <laughs> recent for that to be. You know, I, no, you know what, you know what, no, that one is fine. That one is fine because I hate restaurants that are kid friendly. I'm no, on board Kevin, with you know what is. they mean. That I is not a no, 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 no. no. That, I think that's someone who's just complaining because they don't like kids in restaurants. No, that shit has 114 <laughs> likes. They know what they did. I'm going to hold out hope that that's not a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, is, but anyways. No, it's definitely a piece of shit. Uh, another piece of evidence that they had for this claim of, of Alephantis and the restaurant being involved in this satanic uh, child abuse Um just so you can see how completely dumb a lot of this is, is a photo that was posted in the Pizzagate subreddit, which was created by members of the R the Donald subreddit, uh, which they which claimed has now been banned, I think. Has right? now been banned, right? Okay. Which they claimed was Oliphantus in a t-shirt that they claimed endorsed pedophilia. Now, the t-shirt said J, apostrophe, heart emoji, l'enfant. Right. Which, which means I love do- kid, the kid. Well, Benedict, if you don't know anything about D.C., you might not be aware, but the man who designed most of Washington, D.C. is a man by the name of Pierre-Charles L'Enfant. Oh, I didn't know that. There you go. Who is the namesake of a place in Washington, D.C. named L'Enfant Plaza. Is Uh, that where Comet Ping Pong is? No, it's not. But the man who was wearing that T-shirt is the owner of a restaurant named L'Enfant Cafe and Bar. And was not, in fact, Oliphantus. It was an entirely different person. Okay. That's how dumb all this is. Okay. Make yeah. his place the place. Like, <laughs> what? like if you're going to make up shit about some random restaurant, make it up about his thing. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, the Spy Museum is at uh, L'Enfant Plaza. 
uh, it's not okay. Really, it's not one second, deal. GQ ranks James Alephantis as the 49th most powerful person in Was- Washington, partly on the basis of owning Comet Ping Pong and its cultural cachet. What yeah. the fuck drugs is GQ on as a whole magazine? I saw that too when I was preparing for this episode. I was like, really, really? That is, it's DC. You're gonna yeah. name there him are like ten people in a random apartment powerful. building that are more important than James Alephantis. Yeah, maybe Christ. it's that good a pizza. I don't know. I haven't actually eaten there. Uh, <sighs> but anyways, it uh, looks course, shit. I will say. I'm yeah. sorry. Sorry to James Alephantis. Yeah. It does not uh, look good. Of course, Alex Jones jumped on the Pizzagate train, promoted on his show, as well as figures like Jack Posobiec, who went to the restaurant and made it a video, uh, which culminated in him getting kicked out. After James Oliphantus apparently saw him recording and I think looked him up um, and realized who he was, which meant that Jackie didn't even get to have his garlic knot, Aww. which is actually what he ordered. He, that's, um, that's what he ordered. I do like garlic knots. Yeah. Other proponents of the conspiracy included Weird Mike Cernovich. You know, there's a bunch of Weird Mikes out there. Yeah. Uh, the man who created Minecraft, uh, Ben Swan. A uh, reporter who was famously fired over a lot of this, and the Epoch Times. Mm. Uh, oh, and then much later, of course, people like Mike Flynn and the father-son duo of Ron and Jim Watkins, who owned 8chan, helped evolve this conspiracy into QAnon. Now, yeah, isn't on its one face, of them maybe Q? Uh, the, uh, most definitely, uh, Jim Watkins does the Q post. It might have been somebody else originally, but it's almost 100% certain that it's Jim Watkins now uh, who's doing yeah. it because A, he's a creep. Uh, and, and B, he desperately wants to keep his website alive because he's an utter failure as a human being. Now, on its face, this conspiracy is ridiculous, utter horseshit. But it's the kind of thing that sticks to the Clintons because the right hates them so much that they're willing to stick them with just about anything and not care about the consequences. And of course, yeah, normally you'd get people being like, "That's silly," and moving on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, consequences did come. Uh, right-wing whack jobs harass- harassed Alephantis and the employees at Comet Ping Pong. Uh, their Yelp page was bombarded with insane comments and had to be locked. And on December 4th, 2016, a man named Edgar Madison Welch from Salisbury, North Carolina, drove to Comet Ping Pong with an AR-15-style rifle, entered the restaurant, and fired three shots, hitting a wall, a desk, and a door, and briefly holding everyone inside hostage until police surrounded the restaurant and he surrendered. Didn't he demand they show him the basement and that just isn't a basement as there well? There is no I think basement, yeah. There is no basement. Yeah. Uh, Welch later told police and the New York Times, who interviewed him, that he wanted to investigate for himself and he believed that he would be a hero who would march in and free those children in the basement and expose the whole satanic pedophile cabal. Uh, he was, I believe, released to uh, community correction in 2020. One small problem, as you mentioned, the building doesn't have a basement. That, that would tend to be a problem for this whole conspiracy. When you're trying to find a basement? Yeah, that yeah, would be a problem, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was another attack in January 2019 when a QAnon believer committed arson uh, by lighting the back rooms of Comet Ping Pong on fire. He was arrested a few days <laughs> ah, later. Ah, yes, the best way to save the children that are stored yeah. in the basement there. Uh-huh. Fucking nothing... setting the building on fire. Nothing says <laughs> yeah. save the children like burning them alive. Uh, he was arrested a few days later when he was caught trying to hop the fence at the Washington Monument, uh, and they connected him to the fire through video footage. Uh, and in February 2017, James Alephantis' lawyers sent a le- demand letter to Alex Jones demanding that he retract his claims, which did cause Alex to take down his Pizzagate-related videos and say the following on InfoWars. <laughs> 
I'm going to read to you from a statement that's also posted to Infowars.com <laughs> that I wrote yesterday. We at Infowars. He did not write it. He did not no, write it yesterday. And you can I tell. Oh, man. The tone of his voice is the like the most defeated I've ever heard him sound. This is the fine mom. I'll say sorry. Yeah, yeah. It became part of that national discussion. We broadcast commentary about the allegations and the theory that the emails contained code words. We raised questions about information in Mr. Podesta's emails and in the comic ping pong restaurant. We believe at the time that further investigation was necessary. In it was not. It never <laughs> was. And you did not investigate, Alex. You made bullshit fucking lies about these people that resulted in them being shot at. December of 2016, we disassociated ourselves from the Pizzagate claims and theories, a position we reiterated last month after being contacted by Mr. Alifanis. Funny that Alex disassociated himself in December of 2016. Yeah, after Trump was elected. No, no, Benedict. After a guy shot up Comet Ping Pong. Well, that too, yeah. That's when Alex disassociated himself. That was December 4th, 2016 when oh, the shooting okay. happened. In late February of 2017, we received a letter from Mr. Alifanis asking that we retract certain statements that he says were made in seven of our broadcasts between the last week of November and the first week of December in 2016. We have attempted through our lawyers to contact Mr. Alifanis to discuss with him what sort of statement he would like to see made. In our commentary about what had become known as Pizzagate, I made comments about Mr. Alifanis that in hindsight, I regret <laughs> and for which I apologize to him. I love this so much. Mm -hmm. It's such a different side of Alex yeah. that you only get to see like twice a year when he has when to apologize for something. Yeah. <laughs> to my knowledge today, neither Mr. Alifanis nor his restaurant, Comic Ping Pong, were involved in any human trafficking as was part of of the theories about Pizzagate that were being written about in the media outlets and which we commented upon. It's just I so weird to hear words that I know a lawyer, a supposedly serious person in my own profession, sat down and had to write on a piece of paper. And I just... I don't want to be the lawyer who has to write that statement, I, but I kind of want to be the lawyer who has to write that statement. For some reason, I'm like in my head, Alex is reading this like with a bowl of cereal. <laughs> like I don't, I can't explain why. It just re like it just, like he's just getting redder and redder and just like angrily eating cereal <laughs> as he rehearses reading this on the air. I'm not like I really can't explain it, but it's just a funny image that popped into my head. Why. I don't know why. Either. I want our viewers and listeners to know that we regret any negative impact our commentaries may have had on Mr. Alifanis, Comic Ping Pong, or its employees. We apologize to the extent our commentaries could be considered as negative statements about Mr. Alifanis or Comic Ping Pong. And we hope- I think it's fair to say that the entirety of the comments can be it, taken as negative statements. A significant extent, I would say, to the extent oh. to which. Yeah. So that's, uh, let me just tell you, as a lawyer, I know when a lawyer has written a statement, and that's- that's God it. damn it, that's one of them. So, Benedict, that's Pizzagate. And as we all know, currently, uh, in the uh, year of our Lord 2023, uh, Hillary Clinton is currently in Guantanamo Bay about to be uh, uh, hung for her crimes against humanity mm. and all the things she has done to this these children. Um, and uh, To be is fair, still... so is Steve Bannon. So, <laughs> according to Louise Mensch. So... <laughs> Still currently the most hated woman in America. That is it for today, Benedict. Isn't it a ride? 
isn't I, it a ride? Yeah, yeah, it's upsetting. Um, yeah. I know we probably didn't get everybody's favorite Clinton conspiracy in there. Like I said, there are a ton of them. So uh, if we missed one, uh, let us know, and I will uh, briefly mention it at some point in the future, as I do from time to time. You can go uh, in the spooky world, New World Order. Yeah, send me your favorite conspiracy theory about the Clintons, and uh, I'll get you in the spooky world, New World Order next week. Anyways, Benedict, thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shoutouts on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always... We have to give a shout out to our wonderful and amazing patrons who I don't have in front of me because I fucked up earlier and had to go back and look for something to make somebody spooky world new world order member. But Flack Weasel, Sadie's sister Wednesday, Kieran Dackler, and that's our show. Join us next week when our guest will be Steve Pachetic. <laughs> it changed, and you don't know who Steve Pachetic is. I don't, but that's worse than It's Henry another Alex Jones hanger honor who claims to have been a CIA operative who ran coups in third world nations. Uh, Henry Louis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Isaac Horvat, Clifton Stuckey, Pause, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Sharkbelly, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacraw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Taru Takanen, and Balls Waterson. Thank you all as always for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, never trust a cop in a raincoat. Goodbye. That's, or in anything. Bye. Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.